G'day Sports by Fry fans, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast here. A little bit later than usual, Tuesday afternoon I'm recording this one. Had a massive weekend, uh, didn't get to watch a lot of the footy, but did get to watch my fantasy team tick to a solid score. But this is going up on a Tuesday, hopefully you can listen to this in the next couple of days before we hit lockout. The round 21 wrap up, only two weeks left in the AFL fantasy season. What a long journey it's been. I have been starting to filter through to do some uh, awards for my Dream Team Talk articles, which will be up tomorrow, and I highly recommend you going and having your two cents worth on the rookie picks there, nominating some players for the end-of-season awards, but starting to filter through and doing a bit of a look back over the last 20 weeks, and this season has dragged out. It's crazy to think that we've gone through five-plus months of footy, but there's only two weeks left, and there's plenty to talk about after another action-packed, high-scoring round 21. So without further ado, let me dive into today's episode. For the second week in a row, I managed to top 2,400. 2,430 was what the large fries and coke pumped out in round 21. Pretty solid. I only had two scores under 90, which helped me to this massive score. I went with a bit of a unique captain option that uh, helped for half a game, but I finally have all rookies off my field. I chopped Will Snelling out after he was out last week for Sean Higgins, who was pretty good, but yeah, everyone uh, kind of performed. There were some huge scores and there were some lackluster ones as per usual. As always, starting in defense, finally I started to look like a complete unit down back. I had near hundreds from five of my six players. Blakely was a 94 but and Hunter Clark was one point off, but there wasn't a huge massive score that boosted the defender average there. Hundreds barely across the board from Whitfield, Lloyd and Laird, but Brody Smith was the odd man out with his 65. Not too bad considering his miserable start, and he kind of scrapped his way to a solid score, but he's definitely on the block after this lackluster effort. The midfield was pretty elite. I had Jackson McRae's 132, which was nice to see. Huge effort from Zach Merritt for his 141, and then pretty solid hundreds from the likes of Trelaw, Taranto, and Eagles duo Gaff and Shuey. Mitch Duncan was my unique captain. His numbers against North did entice me and tempt me to pull the trigger on him, but at halftime, with about 70-odd points to his name, it looked like a masterstroke, but didn't exactly pan out. Shawnee Higgins got to 90, which at price under 600 grand was fine. Hopefully, he can hang around for the next couple of weeks. I might even look at upgrading him if I can make a quick buck. The two giant ruckmen in Brody Grundy and Max Gorn went head-to-head, and if you had have told me they both would have got close to 100, I wouldn't have been complaining too much. They'll be better against their other foes for the rest of the year, and Max is definitely a captain option against the lackluster Sydney Ruck supporting cast this week. Into my forward line where Dangerfield and Warple were the only blokes to go over 110. It was nice to see Danger put up a reasonable score. Similar can be said with Tim Kelly, who got to 100. Jack Zebel was forced to stay after Snelling's out, and he got another 90. I might honestly just write him out. I think I've He's down a little bit in price now. I kind of missed the boat to potentially jump on Toby Green. So Billings was good as well with his 90. Trav Boak, who I'll talk about soon, didn't light the world on fire. He was my other bloke who struggled with a 59. Would have been uh, better off if I had had my emergency Nick Hind playing, actually. But like I said, there were very, fru- very few rather uh, sore points in the large fries and coke this week, which helped me move a little bit up in rank. My goal now is to beat my rank from last year. I got a bit stupid at the end of last year and... Uh, 
I traded in, oh, I can't remember exactly who it was, but like Pendles and some other characters who I like as football players. But this year, I'm definitely keen to top that. I think I was 15,300 something last year, and I'm right on the edge of 16K at the moment. So still a little bit of work to be done in the final fortnight. Cloudy with a chance of carnage. Now, there wasn't a hell of a lot of news injury-wise from the weekend and MRP-wise, which was great to see. The big name who is in doubt for round 22 is Rory Sloan. Missed the whole second half, or virtually, second half of the clash against the Eagles. Suffered blurred vision. I don't think, from all reports, it was a lot of concussion, but apparently he's got a black eye and he's no certainty to get up this week. So if you've got him, you might be forced to trade him. Dangerfield and Rowan Marshall both had big hits and look like they might have hurt their knee, but they luckily played out the game and it looks like both of those issues are only going to be minor, so they could get rested a week off. St Kilda probably not with their season. Well, I don't think they can still make finals realistically, but they've got no reason to rest Marshall. Danger, maybe so, but a rest against uh, Carlton in the last round seems more likely, so watch this. Statuses throughout the week. Anthony Miles will hurt a couple of draft coaches. He only played half the game with a bit of a dud ankle, and he could miss the Suns game next week. And Deledio is in a similar boat, another draft possible candidate who has a calf issue. I remember reading somewhere that Leon Cameron expected him to be fine for this week, which is a bit of a stark contrast as to what the Giants are saying now. He could miss three to four weeks and is definitely going to battle to get up in the finals with uh, the likes of Josh Kelly and Matty DeBoer coming back into that outfit. So if you have Deledio, then you have to chop him out as well. Diving into Fry's favourite five, honourable mentions to a lot of 130s. There were some huge scores this week around the grounds, but there were only five candidates available, or five spots available for these candidates. The plus five this week goes to Jared Lyons, who... Arguably had the best game of his career against his former side in the Gold Coast Suns, which is kind of hilarious. I do feel for the Suns, but it's what you get for letting him walk in the offseason for nothing. He showcased just why he is a great fantasy player. Lacks a bit of consistency, like I've pointed out. I think he's made one or two other appearances in the favourite five when he's had these big scores, but he could be someone to consider in the run home if you want a super unique bloke, but... Uh, has a five-round average over one, or nudging 120. I don't think it's wise to bring him in, but can't really argue with his numbers. The plus four, though, this bloke could definitely emerge as a trade candidate. Matty Crouch had a 151 season-best score, season-best nine clearances, and a season-best 43 touches as well against Wet Coast. West Coast, rather not West Coast. He is only priced at 700 grand. So there's a lot of people who'll be looking to maybe finish off that last spot in their midfield. This was me last week. But if you are chasing someone to chop and change, they've got the Collingwood this weekend. So not a fantastic matchup. But I still think Crouch will be good for a 110, 115, or a couple of them with those type of games before the end of the year. Plus three, this bloke probably is the form player of the comp right now. I'm sure he is numbers-wise, and he is making a genuine late push to be in the fantasy Brownlow contention. Of course, I'm talking about Toby Green, who has three times in the last five games gone over 140, got a five-round average of 134, and he's showing no real sign of slowing down. Even with those recognized midfielders that I highlighted earlier, and Kelly and DeBoer and Maybe someone else like Hatley could eat some midfield time. Even if they do come back in, I think Green's form is so good that their presence will have no effect. Maybe not no effect, maybe just a little effect, but 
he'll still be a great trade target. Priced at over 750 grand now. I think, like I said, I've missed the boat, and unless you want to rob a bank and you've got a bit of savings, then we might have missed Toby Green's price bump, but if you've got him, congratulations. The plus two goes out to Zach Merritt, who boosted 20% of the competition with his highest score since round five. The Bombers ball magnet uh, still managed to get it done despite Essendon losing by over 100 points, which is great from Merritt. He was getting a little bit of buzz and generating some talk as a maybe trade-out bloke because the Bulldogs were, as we all know, fantasy-hungry unit. And yeah, Essendon uh, didn't really get the job done, but Zach Merritt certainly did. He was the only bloke in their team to score 100, so... Hopefully he can keep up this rich vein of form for the last fortnight because Merritt is on fire. Finally, the plus one goes to a bit of an unknown bloke after a career best game. I can't ignore him though. Jack Graham, he's 146. These are the type of games that will just cost draft coaches finals matchups. Or, on the other hand, win draft coaches finals matchups. He had career best numbers pretty much across the board. Four goals, 22 touches, and a massive 14 tackles from Graham. Could maybe emerge as a bit of a candidate for next year. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Timmy Taranto. I think from memory this is his third AFL season though, so he's a little bit uh, aged, but definitely a unique option and someone to maybe keep our eye on for 2020. The frustrating five kicks off with a bloke in my team who I know got tagged and played a bit up forward, which hurt his score, but Travis Bokes 59 is definitely alarming. There's no guarantee that he'll slot back into the midfield after kind of being beaten by George Hewitt. I didn't get to watch the game, so I don't know exactly how much he was being tagged and if that's what forced Bokes' move up forward, but rubbing salt into the wounds, he only kicked zero goals four, and a few straight shots might have helped boost his output, but if he keeps playing this new role as a bit more of a forward with Dan Houston seeing more midfield time, then we might have to seriously consider chopping Trav Boke to close out the season. From that same game, the negative four goes to Luke Parker. He looked like a near must-have player before Sydney started their losing spiral down the ladder. They were hovering all right around the bias. I know that they were still low-ish on the ladder, but at least he was putting up numbers, but that's not the case right now. He's Gave away five free kicks against Port Adelaide. I think he's got a five-round average around the 80s. Three-round average is very similar. So after a 53 on the weekend, still priced all right, it's definitely time to move Luke Parker on if you are still an owner. The negative three could also be found in the large fries and coke this week, and that goes to Brody Smith. His recent form was one of the biggest surprises in the fantasy world, and he's coming off three straight tons. So a low score against West Coast isn't, terrible. Only had three points in the first quarter and forced him to play catch-up. Still got to a 60-odd, so if he had have maybe posted 20 in the first quarter, he wouldn't be being thrown under the bus as much, but there's nothing wrong with considering an alternative option. I'm a little bit trepidatious against trading him out. He should be a ride against Collingwood, but uh, yeah, can't blame you for pulling the trigger after that effort. His teammate, Tommy Lynch, copped the negative two this week. I suggested him as a good, unique to keep your eye on throughout the fantasy finals, and this game had us thinking otherwise. Granted, West Coast are a tough team to get it done against, but the last two games of his slate aren't exactly easy matchups either. So Lynch should go a couple of 80s and 90s at worst to finish the year, but yeah, I wouldn't go trading him in with uh, too much confidence at the moment. 
And this week, the last negative limelight is being shone on Lockie Neal. He got the negative one after just 74 points against Gold Coast. I mentioned a few weeks ago, if he keeps sucking and he keeps putting up these stupid numbers, might be worth holding him for this Gold Coast game. He could return to form, but wasn't meant to be. He's got the Cats and the Bulldogs to close out the season, so it's very realistic that we see two more sub-80s from Lockie. He's still priced all right, similar to Luke Parker in that 650 price range, so you can turn him into probably a more reliable premium, and that would honestly make the next two weeks of the season much more enjoyable. So if you're a Neil owner, I would definitely look to move him along. Talking some trade tactics very quickly. Up forward, there's not many value forwards that can really save you at the moment. I think the only real trade target you should have in your forward line is probably Toby Green. His form is unreal, but down back, there's a little bit of a different story. There's plenty of value in the likes of Cade Simpson and Dan Houston after their stellar last couple of months, I think, or last couple of games, I should say. I think it's wise to maybe chase the points with uh, chase the value with some of those dudes and save some coin for one last mega upgrade. That's something I'm considering, maybe chopping out Smith to one of these two dudes and with two weeks to go, you know, you probably don't want to be making too many huge moves, but saving a little bit of extra bank could help you make one last upgrade to end the year. In the midfield, there's probably a lot of coaches who'll be doing a couple of shuffles and rocking with no rookies on their field, but if you are trying to move a rookie on and you can save a bit of money by doing a downgrade, nothing wrong with considering someone like Dan Hanabry. I know he does come with plenty of risk. He could be a laid out any week. And there's honestly, after one game, no certainty that he'll play next week. But he did have 117 against the Dockers and looked pretty awesome doing it. Only costs you 520k. So he is genuinely appealing in my eyes. The rookies, again, I'm not going to talk about them too much because a lot of people aren't really chasing rooks right now. However, any of the blokes under 200 grand should be good trade-in targets for your bench. All three guys who I talked about only scored 30-odds this week with the likes of Chankuth Giath, I'm sure I just butchered that again, the Hawks defender, Jason Carter, the Dockers defender, and James Bell, the Swans mid-forward. All scored around the 30s and 20s, but honestly... That's probably all we need right now heartbeat-wise on our bench. It's not worth forking up and getting a more reliable emergency in the efforts that we probably won't even need them, but those three dudes are definitely fine trade targets if they hold their spot. Someone you might want to flick out. I've already thrown Brody Smith a bit under the bus, but he could be all right against Collingwood. Does have the Bulldogs, I think, from memory in the last round, so an upgrade is probably a wise move, but his role's being ping-ponged all over the shop, so we're not really sure exactly what to expect. Lockie Neal and the potentially injured Rory Sloan are two dudes you may want to chop out of your midfield for two very different reasons. And, of course, Trav Boak, no guarantees that he will be a great player or return to the midfield and be a great scorer. Does have North Melbourne and Fremantle to close the season, though. So I think it's worth at least seeing what he does against North and hopefully returns back to the midfield. North probably won't run someone with him or give him too much attention. So sticking with the Port Star is a wise manoeuvre. From a rookie point of view, moving any players who are still on your field must be your priority. If you're just looking for bench downgrades, I've already talked about some guys you might want to chase out, and turning someone in the 300 grand mark to one of those other cheaper sub 200k dudes is a fantastic choice. Waiver wire watch time, plenty of trade targets, or waiver targets I should say, in your draft leagues, but hopefully you're rocking with a pretty concrete outfit heading into prelim final round. Jack Graham is probably the pick of the bunch in the midfield at the moment for targets. He was in 30% of teams before 
uh, free agency lifted, so that ownership will have likely spiked, so you might not be able to snag him. Same can be said with Chad Wingard, who is in 50% of teams, but he's posted a couple of good scores to finish the 2019 season, and he's definitely warrants adding if you can find him. Mark Blitzarves down back. I picked him up in both my leagues, actually. Only 13% ownership, came off another 80, so... There's a nice potential depth piece in your back lines. Darcy Fogarty did kick five goals against West Coast for his 82, so don't go expecting that every week, especially against Collingwood this weekend. But there's no reason why he can't get a couple more 70s or maybe even push up the ground, get some more marks and kicks, and drop an 80 for us. So keep your eye on him. Finally, if you do need a Ruckman, Peter Laddams hasn't really done a lot to warrant being dropped at the moment, and we'll probably keep Scott Lysette in the sandful. He had 100 on the weekend and is only in at 9% of teams, so if you need some help in the Ruck department, he could be one great addition. Finally, my moves for this round are centred a little bit around moving Brody Smith on. At this stage, I could also chop Sean Higgins out and maybe get someone like Cripps. Um, I think I can maybe get to Rockleaf, but his numbers haven't really given me a lot of confidence. So I'll probably chop out Darcy Fort for Jordan Sweet in my rucks to save myself 70, 80 grand there. And then I might even do Smith down to Dan Houston or Cade Simpson. But I would have the cash to maybe go up to someone like Basha Hooley or Jack Crisp as well. So those are where my trade thoughts are thinking. I don't really want to trade out Smith, especially after going three tons in his last month. But... I think it might be wise to try and get a big name like Chris or Hawley to end of the season. Who knows? We'll see what team selection throws me on Thursday night. And that's going to do it for the round 21 wrap-up. Thanks again for tuning in. Make sure you visit my Dream Team Talk article tomorrow and have your votes on who should be the finalists for some rookie awards. And then you can check all of the awards listed next week. And then after the season, I'll reveal who the winners are. I'm going to be in Melbourne. Uh, come this weekend. So I'll be watching the Tigers and Eagles at the G, which would be great. I'll still do my Thursday night podcast and then hopefully I'll be able to do the round wrap-up from sunny Victoria. Hopefully it's not raining at the moment. Someone uh, in Vic let me know what the weather's looking like over there so I can pack. Once again, though, thanks for tuning in. Good luck in round 22 and round 23 for the last fortnight of the fantasy season. But until next time, peace. Peace.